Blog Talk Radio. Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is January the 11th, 2019. My gosh, the year is off to a flying start. Uh, All kinds of crazy stuff going on, especially in the wacky world of immigration. But I thank you for joining me. Hope you've all had a great week. Um, And for those of you familiar with me, I know I go through this frequently, but I know that new people tune in all the time. Um, And that's a good thing. I just want to let you know that I'm a former senior special agent with the INS, retired from that agency after 30 years. Um, And I really took the scenic tour. Uh, I was an inspector. I was an adjudications officer. And I rotated through every squad within the investigations branch in my hometown of New York City, the city that uh, was attacked most uh, severely on September 11, 2001 which is what sparked me to do everything that I've been doing since that dreadful day uh, in America. It's about providing the information, the facts, the perspectives that the mainstream media refuses to provide, refuses to address, refuses to discuss, because uh, right now globalists are truly running the world and trying to run our country. And we have got to dispel the myths and the lies And uh, as I used to tell the bad guys before an interrogation or an interview, why don't we start with the truth? Because there's only one version of the truth. And that's what this program is about, providing that truthful information so that we, the people, can make rational, reasoned, fact-based decisions when we vote and when hopefully we reach out to our elected representatives to place our orders, because that's how we need to think of it. When we go to restaurants, we're very specific about the food that we want to eat. We're extremely specific about the way we want our meal prepared. If we're not happy, we send it back. And if that doesn't work, we leave. Well, why in the world are we being any different where the politicians are concerned? They work for us. They work for us. We don't work for them point the fact um, they're supposed to be doing our bidding, not the bidding of the special interest groups who bribe them. Because let's be real honest about this. Campaign contributions are thinly veiled bribes. There's no other way of describing it. When people write those checks, when special interest groups write those checks, when various organizations write those checks for megabucks, there is an expectation that they will get something for that money And I can assure you they're getting quite a bit for that money. As a federal agent, I was not allowed to accept a a cup of coffee or a glass of soda. If uh, anyone offered us anything, uh, we were not allowed to accept anything more significant than a glass of ice water. Tell that one to the politicians. And if you look at the crisis on the borders, borders with an S, and indeed there is a crisis to be found, the Mexican uh, border, most uh, notably, uh, because of the violence and the corruption going on in Mexico. It's endemic. It's devastating. The body count is unthinkable. 
and this is on the other side of our border, and it's because of the pressure being brought to bear, because this is the one place in the world, that Mexican border, where the first world and the third world collide. It's a 2,000-mile border, and America has an insatiable appetite these days for drugs uh, and cheap labor. We've become a dependent nation, and the politicians, uh, especially the Democrats, and this is something I will never understand, how they could betray American workers. The Democratic Party used to be the party of the American worker. How they could betray American workers by seeking actively to displace Americans with foreign workers. How in the world they can not only pass sanctuary laws, but how in the world they can legalize marijuana at a time when we are having an unparalleled opiate epidemic in America. Uh, 62,000 people, according to DEA, died last year of opiate overdoses, plus other drugs and the violence and the gangs and everything else that all revolve around drugs. The proceeds from the drug trade not only enriches the drug cartels, but as I've written for Front Page Magazine, terrorist organizations. So the idea that we're going to legalize marijuana for social justice, whatever in the world social justice means, um, is nuts. And something that I wrote about in a recent article for Front Page Magazine, I made the point that America's race to the bottom is being uh, spurred on, exacerbated. I don't have the words in front of me right now, but by open borders. Open borders um, absolutely facilitate. That was the word I used. Uh, Open borders facilitate America's race to the bottom. And as I noted in my article, for the longest time, The globalists have been making a case, and it's a bogus case, by the way, that uh, Americans are too lazy to do the physically demanding jobs, too dumb to do the high-tech jobs, and now with ever more Americans smoking pot and getting hooked on drugs, uh, perhaps the next thing we're going to hear is that Americans are too stoned to take any jobs. It's not enough that people don't get prosecuted if they are caught with drugs let's say marijuana. But the point of the matter is many companies do drug testing and for good reason. You don't want people coming to work who aren't stone cold sober. You don't want them driving vehicles. You don't want them using heavy equipment. You don't want them on the telephone. You don't want them making decisions. You don't want them representing your company with slurred speech and a foggy brain. And there are many jobs that flat out require drug testing because Safety issues abound. So the fact that somebody isn't going to get arrested for smoking pot won't protect that person from losing his or her job for coming to work and flunking the drug test. And maybe that's part of what's going on. You know, I hate to be that cynical, but why in the world? What is the upside to legalizing marijuana? Look at all the commercials warning people about smoking cigarettes. Look at all the commercials warning people about drinking and driving. And now, increasingly, cities and states are legalizing marijuana for a revenue stream. And if you look at the cities and states that have done this, motor vehicle accidents have gone up. Injuries and fatalities have gone up. I have never in my life seen our government more corrupt than it is today. I've never seen our political representatives fail to act in the best interests of America or Americans more frequently than we're witnessing now. And I will tell you that it is my humble opinion that of the current crop of crap that represents us in the hallowed halls of 
whether it's Congress or city or state governments, if they were in power on December 7th, 1941, America would have lost the war. There's no doubt in my mind that these idiots, crooks, and buffoons could never, ever have succeeded in enabling America to win the war. These fools can't cross the street by themselves, and they're so corrupt that all they think about is where do they get their next source of revenue, whether it's for the budget for their particular government or their campaign contributions. That's all they can focus on is money, money, and more money, no matter what the cost is, even when it's the lives of innocent people and even children. They don't care. Dead bodies to these clowns are speed bumps that stand in the way to whatever their objectives are. Usually they are globalist objectives. This is not going to end well for us if we permit the good ship Lollipop, you know, the United States, a ship of state, continue on its current course. And these aren't left-right issues. You know, full disclosure, I'm a registered Democrat because I've always been a huge supporter of American labor, blue-collar, white-collar, I don't care. I stand with American workers. Corporations have proven time and time and time and time again that they are, for the most part, corrupt. Yes, there are decent companies out there. But you look at all the crazy stuff that goes on with corporate America, you look at how they need to be bailed out, you look at the swindles by the banks and the swindles by the car companies, it's one scam after another scam after another scam. General Electric used to be the heavy hitter on Wall Street. It was the company, greatest earnings, most stable. Jeffrey Immelt came along, and uh, General Electric is a shadow of what it used to be. They're, 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 They're teetering on the abyss. This is what passes for corporate leadership today. There's a lack of leadership, not a lack of workers. There's a lack of leadership, whether it's in corporate America or in politics. You look at what's going on on Silicon Valley, where they have absolutely no allegiance to America or Americans. They are happy to sell out the country and demand that we bring in foreign programmers and displace Americans. Um, And this morning, I was kind of shocked. It was jarring to see a tweet from President Trump, because apparently he is reconsidering this whole notion about the H-1B visa program, which are the visas that bring all these high-tech workers to the United States. Um, Very disconcerting. The Washington Times reported this morning, Trump teases changes for H-1B visa holders. And I will read you the article. It's a short one. President Trump hinted on Friday morning about making reforms to the H-1B. Quote, H-1B holders in the United States can rest assured that changes are soon coming, which will bring both simplicity and certainty to your stay, including a potential path to citizenship, the president tweeted. Quote, we want to encourage talented and highly skilled people to pursue career options in the United States or in the U.S., And the article goes on and says H-1B visas are designed to bring in foreign workers, especially ones with specialized knowledge of their field. It is particularly sought for positions in tech and science fields. The visas are capped by law at 85,000 per year, though the demand usually far outweighs the available slots. So the government awards visas via a lottery. Previous changes the administration made in 2018 to the H-1B application process favor applications with advanced degrees 
The president's tweet was unclear about what changes may be ahead for the H-1B holders or how he will proceed with the reforms. I simply hope that he does not back down on what he had promised, that he would make certain that Americans had first shot at the jobs. Uh, We keep on importing foreign workers. We keep on displacing American workers. And this takes incentives away from American college kids to study the high-tech field. Because if you flood America with third-world country workers, they will bring with them third-world expectations of wages and working conditions, and that won't bode well for anybody. There's no compassion in exploitation. And time and time again, we have seen corporations exploit their workers, the laws, do whatever they can to sidestep regulations that are essential. Yes, there's a lot of regulations we don't need, and I agree with the conservatives on that. There's a lot of dumb and even contradictory regulations. But my gosh, this isn't the Wild West. And corporations have to be good corporate citizens. And boy, isn't that a joke in terms of what they've turned into. They slap an American flag on the shrink wrap that they package their merchandise in to give people the idea that the product was made in America. And then you'll see in little print, you know, assembled in U.S. from parts from around the world or or whatever it is. It's about imagery. It's about the photo op. But in reality, we keep undermining our own workers. And yes, the president has made great strides in knocking down unemployment and wages have been going up, not quickly enough, but they have been going up. But I have to tell you, we're still ignoring millions of Americans who remain unemployed or underemployed. and They just fell off the map because they've been out of work for so long. They've had so much despair that they decided they're not going to go back to work. Uh, And so we've got a real crisis. It's not over by a long shot. And the idea that the president is now talking about the H-1B visa program, uh, pathway to citizenship and so forth, if this is how he's going to get the funding for the wall, we've got a serious problem. I wrote an article for Front Page Magazine that he ought not be swapping DACA for the wall, and he certainly should not be swapping the H-1B visa for the wall either. Our immigration system is a multifaceted system. The laws that were passed were passed to accomplish several goals. None of them have anything to do with race, religion, or ethnicity. It's about keeping out aliens who have dangerous communicable diseases, mental illness, are criminals, spies, human rights violators, war criminals, fugitives from justice, uh, aliens who've been previously deported, and aliens who would take the jobs of Americans or become a public charge because they can't support themselves once they're here. We must adhere to that fundamental principle of not allowing foreign workers to displace American workers. The money they send out of the country is devastating. The president Uh, interestingly made a point when he was confronted by some reporters yesterday on his way to McAllen, uh, Texas, to check out the situation on the border. Someone said to one of the reporters said to Mr. President, you said Mexico was going to pay for the wall. Uh, Is that still the case? Because we're hearing they're not going to pay for the wall. And he said something that I've been saying. The wall will more than pay for itself in a matter of months if we could stop the flow of drugs into America and the money that leaves because of the drug trade. He could have talked about the remittances also. He could have talked about the impact on education and health care. He could have talked about the impact on critical infrastructure. We are overburdening a country that is hobbled by $22 trillion in debt and foreign workers who come to America 
come to America with an expectation of shipping money out to support their families in their home countries, and they're 100% right for doing it. I don't blame them one bit. Any country dumb enough to allow that to happen deserves whatever happens. It is entirely legal for them to do it, so why shouldn't they? But what is so astonishing to me is that if an American, or anyone else for that matter, commits any other crime, money laundering, drug trafficking, you name it, the government will seize their assets. If you're working illegally, that is ill-gotten money, the money should be seized. But that's not happening, nor is it likely to happen. In fact, Congressman Tom Tancredo, uh, and I testified for Tom about six weeks after 9-11, because at the time he chaired the House uh, Immigration Reform Caucus, I was removed the next morning. Uh, That was a hell of a battle we had. I dared to tell the truth to Congress after we were attacked. What a crime I committed, huh? Of course, the excuse I was given that I had an injured leg, so that was the reason. But the timing was incredible. My notice went out by overnight super-duper courier service about an hour after the hearing wrapped up. But I testified for Tom Tancredo, and Tom had the idea that we ought to be taxing the remittances being wired from the United States to Mexico and other countries. And as soon as he said that, Charlie Fote, the president of First Data Corporation, which was headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia, moved First Data Corp. to Colorado, right down the road from Tom Tancredo, because at the time, First Data Corp. was the parent company to Western Union that makes all of its money, wiring money around the world, uh, and in this case, out of the United States. So they were concerned, apparently, that Tancredo might be taking a bite out of their profits and decided that they were going to create a political action committee to make sure that that never happened. And of course, it never happened. So if Americans or others get caught trafficking in drugs or money laundering or insurance scams, whatever it is, if you're charged with criminal law violations, you are subject to asset forfeiture. Illegal aliens who shouldn't be here and certainly shouldn't be working and frequently commit identity theft, they're allowed to send their money home. And so the president was right when he made the statement that Mexico indirectly will be paying for the wall. He said, if you thought they were going to write us a check, you're crazy. The point is we did make a good trade deal with them. We replaced NAFTA. And if we get the wall, the wall pays for itself because we would block so much of the money that's leaving and the reasons that the money is leaving the United States. He's spot on. But the H-1B visa program is a huge problem because we are disincentivizing American kids We are losing technology to other countries. None of this makes any sense unless you're looking short term. And unfortunately, America has an attention span shorter than a goldfish. And Americans have an attention span shorter than a goldfish. Our adversaries, and yes, China is absolutely, positively, unmistakably, 100% an adversary, God only knows why Herbert Walker Bush gave them most favored trade status. He used to be the ambassador to China. I'd love to know how all that came about. Uh, And Bill Clinton ran on the promise that he would end most favored trade. And, of course, he did not. But if we're going to compete against those countries, we need to understand that they're thinking long term. China, Russia, Iran, they're thinking decades and generations down the road. 
and the nitwits who run corporate America can't think beyond the next earnings statement, and our politicians can't think beyond the next election. Now, to an extent, I understand why. But at some point, someone has to grow up and say, gee whiz, what we are doing is ultimately going to destroy us. We're driving the bus off the road, and we need to hit the brakes. Nobody does that. Everyone's looking for short-term gain. But in the long run, they're going to beat the snot out of us if we don't change the trajectory of our nation. And that's something that needs to happen. And we, the people, can force the issue by making the phone calls and visiting with our elected representatives, making it clear to them that we've had it with sanctuary cities. Uh, I was on Fox and Friends a couple of weeks ago because a police officer in California, Officer Singh, who had an infant child and a wife, uh, was killed by an illegal alien who shouldn't be here. And the newspaper accounts, and I wrote about this in my front page magazine article, frontpagemag.com, um, it was astonishing. He was being harbored by others, including illegal aliens. It's literally a free-for-all in California. And in New York City, um, the mayor has now promised free health care for every illegal alien in New York City. Why in the world are we rolling out one incentive after another incentive after another incentive after another incentive for illegal aliens to make a mockery of our borders and our laws? Come to America. We will treat you like a king. Come to America legally, and we'll screw you over the way we screw over American citizens. That's been the message. Anybody who comes to the United States legally probably feels like a damn idiot and with great justification. Chuck Schumer, the, the, the Chuck and Nancy show after the president's Oval Office speech was remarkable. I was on a couple of radio shows. I made the point that if we had given them the pitchfork, they could have looked like that famous Norman Rockwell painting, American Gothic. And so there's Chuck Schumer saying that America's symbol must never be a 30-foot wall but the Statue of Liberty. Chuck didn't get the memo. The Statue of Liberty and the welcoming nature of America has not changed and has not changed under this president either. And I don't always agree with Trump. I have plenty of things that I disagree with. But he has not changed the welcoming nature of America. He's only making the clear distinction that Schumer and the other crooks in Washington won't make. There's a difference between legal immigration and illegal immigration. And that's a distinction that Chuck doesn't want to make, nor Nancy, nor any of these other bozos. Why in the world would you bother with a legal system when you don't have to come legally and we'll roll out the red carpet for you? Why would you wait in line on a rainy afternoon to get into the movies when you can sneak in through the front door, get the best seats in the house and not have to pay for it? That's what we're doing. We're spending $14 billion a year on Customs and Border Protection. CBP employs over 60,000 employees. What's the point to it if it doesn't matter how you come here? This is as ridiculous as it gets. It's as nuts as it gets. And then you had Governor, I'm sorry, yes, Governor Cuomo going to Ellis Island to, to be sworn in for his third term. And again, the, 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 the visual, Ellis Island, nation of immigrants. No one is arguing about America welcoming immigrants. But my goodness gracious, we admit a million lawful immigrants every year. We admit tens of millions of temporary visitors, non-immigrants, every 
year. We admit more lawful immigrants than the rest of the world combined. We naturalize more citizens than the rest of the world combined. That has not changed under President Trump. You would never know it if you listen to the whales coming out of Schumer and Pelosi and Cuomo and all these other nitwits who call themselves leaders. How in the world we voted for them is pretty clear because we don't seem to get very good choices. We go into the voting booth and the choices, heads they win, tails we lose. We're always voting for the lesser of two evils. That seems to be the pattern here. It seems to be the pattern because the political machinery is rigged. And it is rigged so that no matter who you vote for, the game is the same. And the game is the game of globalism. Bring in cheap labor, drive down the wages, displace the Americans, and the beat goes on. And the beat goes on. And people are killed by illegal aliens. And the... (laughs) The open borders crowd could care less. To them, the dead bodies are speed bumps on the path to globalism. They don't. Not one little bit. And who only knows, maybe the Chamber of Commerce looks at the funeral home industry and says, hey, it's a business. Maybe we can throw them some more bodies so they can make more money because there's some profit to be made when people die. I wouldn't doubt it for a moment because that's the nature of the U.S. Chamber of uh, Chamber of Commerce. They are soulless, they are mindless, they are heartless. And they bribe the politicians with massive campaign contributions. On 9-11, it was clear to the 9-11 Commission and anybody who studied what happened, and I provided testimony to the Commission, that multiple failures of the immigration system and the visa process enabled the terrorists to enter the United States and carry out the most deadly attack in the history of this nation. And in fact, they looked back at other attacks that occurred previous to 9-11 and other attacks that were thwarted. But nevertheless, they looked at the terrorists who attempted those attacks. And what they found was that visa fraud and immigration fraud were were key. On 9-11, we had 26 visa waiver countries. With those findings, you would have imagined they would have ended the visa waiver program, but they didn't. In point of fact, not only did they not end it, but they've expanded it to today 38 countries participate. Why? Because if you go to the Discover America Partnership, which is a partnership made in hell between the Chamber of Commerce and the Hotel and Travel and Hospitality and Manufacturing Association, their goal is to take down every single barrier, open the borders, and let everybody and anybody who wants to come in, come in as long as they're willing to spend money in America. Spend money in America, you could be a murderer, you could be a child molester, you could be a rapist, God knows you could be a terrorist. They don't care. They flat out don't care because the goal is, so we lose a couple of thousand people. What's a few thousand people here and there? Look at all the money they're going to spend in America, and as long as we can get money, we'll take the dead bodies. That's their philosophy. You want to talk about blood money? Ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you is true blood money. There should be zero visa waiver countries. And then when we saw all those terror attacks in Europe, and of course the mainstream media would no longer have former immigration agents on to talk about immigration. God knows they might know what they're talking about. For the first four years, four or five years after 9-11, I was averaging 14, I'm sorry, 15 to 20 television interviews per month on the mainstream media. And all of a sudden that shut down. I don't care if they don't have me on. But bring on people with immigration experience, not immigration lawyers, not radio talk show hosts and pundits, 
bring on people who understand the immigration system, and they don't, and they don't, because there's a narrative that has to be pushed, and they know that if the truth is provided, that the narrative they're pushing goes out the window. So um, everyone that came on, they did bring some intelligence folks on, and they talked about the dangers to the visa waiver program. They said, look, we have people that are now the children, the first generation, or they naturalized, they've got European passports, they're able to have easy access to the United States under the visa waiver program. This is a threat. So what does Congress do? You would have thought they would have said, well, that's it, end of the visa waiver program. Oh, no, 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 they're not going to end that. That's their cash cow. That's how they get the bribes from the Chamber of Commerce. So what do they do? They turn around and say, okay, we'll have the enhanced visa waiver program. What's the enhanced visa waiver program? Any alien who is a citizen of a visa waiver country who in the last 90, I think it was the last 90 days, has gone to a series of seven or eight countries, very similar to the countries that President Trump put on the list for what they call the travel ban. It was really an entry restriction, not by executive order, but by standing law, Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182F, that gives the president total uh, authority and, and total discretion where the admission of aliens into the United States is concerned. So that list uh, with the terrorist sponsoring countries where vetting was very difficult. And they said, well, if an alien from a visa waiver country goes to one of those countries, then that alien will need to get a visa before coming to the United States. Does that make any sense to anybody? Do you really think that an alien from, let's say, England or Germany or Spain or France goes to Syria, goes to Lebanon, goes to Ethiopia? I believe they were on the list. I could be mistaken, but I'm, I believe I'm correct. Do you think they're going to walk into a consulate or embassy and say, hey, I was just at one of these countries. Here's my, my transcript from bomb-making school. May I please have a visa to come to America? I would love to know, in fact, how many aliens who qualify for the visa waiver actually got visas because they went to a country that's on the list. I bet you you can count them on the fingers of one hand, if that many, because they're going to lie. They're going to make certain that they bring in a clean passport. They're going to make certain that no one stamps the passport to show that they've been to those troubled countries. But Congress did this, and they did it with Mr. Obama, and why did they do it? They did it to convince Americans that we've got this. We've got it under control. We have a handle on all this. They don't have a handle on anything. The only thing they have a handle on is that little thing that you open up to throw money in when you make the night deposit at the bank. That's what they've got the handle on. They know damn well this thing is a charade. It's been one charade after another charade, just like Chuck Schumer saying, we don't need a fence or a wall. By the way, he voted for a fence back in 2006, I believe. But why don't they want a wall? Why do they want drones? Because drones don't work. Don't take my word for it. The GAO and others have written reports. One report stated that the drones have been responsible for fewer than one half of 1% of all of the arrests made by the border patrol, but the drones cost hundreds of millions of dollars. Well, why in the world would you spend hundreds of millions of dollars on technology that doesn't work? Folks, the answer is simple. 
They want technology that doesn't work because they want to maintain the status quo while creating the very nice illusion that they are meeting the demands of the American people and securing the border. And think about something else. The the drone can't stop anybody from entering the United States. All they do is notify the Border Patrol after someone has run the border. And then they can say, oh, look, we've got people in the country. Same thing with the sensors. Yes, do we need them? Of course, it's helpful to have sensors. It's much better to have helicopters with agents on board than drones. And by the way, uh, and I, I had a conversation a couple of years back with a Border Patrol pilot. For the cost of one of those Predator drones, the U.S. government could put up four helicopters with armed Border Patrol agents on board. If you're a Border Patrol agent on the ground being attacked and you look up and see a Predator overhead, all that the Predator is going to to be able to do is take photos of you being attacked. If you look up and see a helicopter overhead with agents on board, well, those agents can land and back you up and protect you from further harm. A drone can't do that. But again, do you think Chuck Schumer gives a rat's tail if Border Patrol agents are injured or killed? Do you think Cuomo, who called ICE agents thugs, cares if any ICE agents are killed or injured or Border Patrol agents are killed or injured? I wouldn't put it past that bum to hold the party if, God forbid, something happened to one of my former colleagues. ICE agents are thugs. It takes my breath away. Schumer talking about the president throwing a temper tantrum. What Schumer did was to throw Americans under the bus, and he could care less. This is a guy who's very smart and morally challenged. Morally challenged. He understands full well what's at stake and does not care. They've done the math. They're the Democrats. But the Republicans are only incrementally better. Why do you think we only have 6,000 ICE agents and half of them aren't doing immigration work? I'll keep making this point till the cows come home. The C in ICE is customs. Customs has nothing to do with immigration. Before the creation of DHS, what I've come to call the Department of Homeland Surrender, customs was under the Treasury Department because customs is about keeping out contraband and collecting tariffs and duties. It's, it's basically a money outfit like the IRS. That's why it was under Treasury. They don't care about people. They care about money and, and contraband. Why did they blur the distinction and, and, and marry up the, these agencies and include agriculture and the sky marshals? Well, I, I've written about it before. John Hostetler, when he chaired the House Immigration Subcommittee, and John is a conservative Republican, made it clear that the administration, that is to say the administration of George W. Bush, utterly ignored the lessons we should have learned from 9-11 and created immigration incoherence. Do you think it's an accident? Do you think it's an accident that Jeb, genius George's brother, would say that illegal immigration is an act of love? Of course not. Two peas in a pod. Two peas in a pod. To them, borders are an impediment to their wealth. That's what the problem is. If you can take down the borders, you can move people around like chess pieces. You can get the cheapest labor you could possibly find. So you can give more and more money to the CEOs of these companies. And that's what it's about. 
And if the drugs pour in, the banks literally make out like bandits because banks are moving companies that move the proceeds of crime. They move the proceeds of people who do honest work also. You know, a surgeon comes to America, saves a child's life. They're paid for their services. They send the money home. Certainly the bank gets their piece of that action. But similarly, when prostitutes working in a brothel, whether they're working there willingly or not, human trafficking is a huge problem around the world. When they send, if they're allowed to send money home, the bank takes their piece. When the drug deal is consummated, the money wire service, the remitter, the bank, whoever it is, they get their piece of the action. The more drugs that are sold, the more money that is moved, the wealthier the bankers become. And on and on and on. So if you're having any confusion about why we're hearing so much nonsense about we don't need a wall, we need sensors and drones and high tech, we know what works and we know what doesn't work. And Donald Trump was right when he compared the wall to the wheel. These idiots... Schumer and Pelosi and the others would have you believe that there's something wrong with the wheel. We need a high-tech replacement for the wheel. What we need a replacement for are these lame politicians who should be out of office. Again, this is the work Americans can and must do. How in the world the Americans allowed the Democrats to become uh, the majority in Congress and the House is beyond me. But again, part of the problem, folks, part of the problem is that the Republican Party is only incrementally better than the Democrats. Therein lies a very large, looming crisis, because everyone realizes that both parties are really two sides of the same coin. Look at this bait-and-switch tactic. Um, You would think that if you have a problem with illegal immigration, you want to convince people that if you come illegally, we're going to look for you, We're going to deport you, and there's going to be consequences. That's called deterrence through enforcement. Instead, Bob Goodlatte, immigration lawyer, throws up his hands and says, oh, my God, there's just so many of these people we can't deport them. We've got to legalize them. Right. We've got to send them to the lawyers because they need to be able to buy new cars and airplanes, boats, and mansions. So let's have a massive amnesty program. Don't talk about deporting people who are here already. I met Bob Goodlatte, and I said, you know, we need to convince people that if they're here illegally, they should not be able to put their head on the pillow at night, confident that tomorrow won't be the day that they're caught, arrested, and ultimately removed from the United States. Oh, if they're here, they're here. We can't do anything about them, and they're already part of the labor movement. So whatever harm they may have done, it's already part of the system. We're not going to remove them. But we're going to make sure if anyone comes in, we're going to, you know. And I looked at this guy. And I said, if you have an amnesty program, there's going to be no way to verify when the people came here. If you create an amnesty program, what's going to happen is aliens will come here next year and claim they've been here for the last 20 years. The adjudicators won't be able to interview these people because you're dealing with millions and millions and millions of people. We will be overwhelmed. There will be no field investigations. Fraud will run rampantly through the system. And by the way, Let's go back to the 9-11 Commission. They warned that immigration fraud was the key method of entry and embedding for the terrorists. This is an open invitation to fraud. Well, what are you going to do? But we're going to be tough, and if we catch anybody, they're going to go to jail. But you can't deport 11 million, Mr. Cutler. I said, well, there's probably 30 million. 
MIT and Harvard did studies, and they're saying there's at least 25 million, by the way, folks. By now, it's probably 40 million. But do you think an immigration lawyer wants to see potential clients deported? Of course not. There's gold in them, thar hills, right? That's money. Those are clients. And we can get them legal status, and then they're here, and at some point they're going to get married, and they're going to need more forms, and they can come back to us. My God, these clients are the gift that will keep on giving. It is a perpetual motion machine for money. I don't need a printing press in the basement. I just need my law degree and a shingle on the wall that says I'm an immigration lawyer. And the bucks just keep on coming. That, folks, is precisely how the immigration lawyers see what we see as a crisis, as a non-crisis. And that's why the Democrats are saying there's no crisis here. Right. Because the immigration lawyers among the Democrats are telling them there's no crisis. What, are they crazy? We don't want to deport these people. And we sure as hell don't want to keep them out. If we keep them out, they can't come to my law firm. We got to let them in so we can take care of them. And by the way, comprehensive immigration reform would have paid the legal fees for the illegal aliens. And some schmucky people that I've spoken to said, oh, my God, look, they're pandering to the illegals. And I said, why would you pander to the powerless? Do you know why the legal fees would have been paid for the illegal aliens? Because lawyers don't like to work for nothing. And this way they are guaranteed getting paid by Uncle Sam, which really means that we the people will pay for the legal services for aliens who have no right to be here. That's what's going on. That's exactly what is going on. So in this bait and switch game where we've been told you can't deport them all, you've got to give them legal status, now the debate is the Democrats say give them a path to citizenship. And the Republicans say, oh, no, we're tough, only permission to work. And the Democrats and the Republicans have this big fake fight, just like the wrestlers I watched when I was a kid. And what is the fight now over? Not whether we should deport these people but whether they should get a pathway to citizenship or not. But either way, they need lawyers. Either way, the lawyers make out literally and figuratively like bandits. So here's the bait and switch. We're going to keep them here because we can't deport them, and we'll have to process them, and that requires attorneys, and they're off to the races, and we're screwed. That's the short version of the story. That's the short version of the story. And you look at what is going on with the politicians saying we don't want a wall. They don't want a wall because if there's a wall, the aliens will be kept from entering. If there's a wall, aliens won't come because they know that the wall will stop too many of them. And when you hear this nonsense, well, if you build a 20-foot wall, they'll come with a 25-foot ladder. Yes, some will, and some will dig tunnels, and some will will, you know, get into a hang glider. And some might say, screw it, and they'll get on a boat and take the boat from Mexico or wherever and and, and head to the beaches along California or Florida or wherever they can get in or the Gulf of Mexico. No argument. But law enforcement isn't one thing. It's like trying to protect your house against burglars. You secure your windows and you secure your doors and you secure the skylights. And then you put in alarms, and then you put in floodlights, 
and then you cut the shrubs near the house so that burglars can't hide in the shrubbery. It's multiple. It's layers. Security is always done in layers, and you address all of the vulnerabilities. You don't say, well, I once had someone break through the back door, so I'm going to put on a good, solid back door and ignore the other windows and the front door and the skylight and all the other. No, you enforce everything. You make it secure. And, yes, some people will get past the fence. But the numbers or the wall, but the numbers will be so greatly reduced that the numbers become manageable. You see, that is something that the immigration anarchists don't want is a system that can deal with the workload. Because if you can deal with the workload, you go after the fraud and you can deter millions of people from coming in the first place. You want to make the odds so strong against them that most will just throw their hands up and say, it's not even worth trying. I'm not going to spend the money. And, and, you know, it was interesting that Donald Trump had talked about a third of the women getting raped. It turns out that, according to other studies, it's about 80% of the women and young girls getting raped. And even when I was an immigration agent, I was part of the anti-smuggling unit in New York City. And we had women telling us back then that they frequently took birth control pills before they headed for the United States because they anticipated being raped by the smugglers. And it wasn't nearly as violent as it is today. So this is a horrible situation. So when you look at what they're subjecting themselves to, and this is a humanitarian crisis, no two ways about it, the president was right, you make it so unlikely that you will succeed that you're probably going to be stopped these women knowing what they face, these men knowing what they face, knowing how many thousands of dollars they're going to have to give the smugglers, knowing that they may be forced to carry narcotics on them. And if they're caught, they could be looking at 20 years in jail. They're going to look at that and say, you know what? It's not worth it. And you know what might happen if enough people are deterred from leaving their countries? The leaders of those countries might finally figure out that they've got to do something to address the poverty in those countries so that people could stay in their home countries and make a decent living for themselves and not have to abandon their families. If you look at the crisis in places like El Salvador and other countries, part of the problem is that the adult men leave to come to the United States to work, and you have teenage boys and girls running around with no fathers. That doesn't work well. I know it's not the PC or politically correct, which is nonsense. I don't buy into any of that crap. PC, to me, is really Orwellian. It's newspeak. But it's best for a child to have a mother and a father, not one or the other, but both. Very often, families are being split up because out of desperation, there are people coming to the United States to work illegally. And then you wind up with the gangs, and you wind up with the violence, and you wind up with dysfunctional families. It's devastating in the home countries of these aliens, and it's devastating to us when the gangs get here. Nobody's winning here, folks, except the super wealthy who are happy to move people around the world like chess pieces, who probably could care less about the movement of narcotics because the banks make money in moving the proceeds of the drug trade. These people are literally and figuratively making out like bandits. And so you have people saying, we don't need a wall, and a wall is terrible, and it's a wall of hate. How in the world is it a, world, a, a, a wall of hate 
if it's not supposed to keep people out of the United States, but supposed to keep people from sneaking into the United States, the walls would be erected between ports of entry, not across ports of entry. The idea is to make certain that anyone who comes to America has to be seen by, by a customs inspector, CBP, Customs and Border Protection Inspector, the job I did for the first four years of my career, except back then we were simply called immigration inspectors, and customs had their own inspectors at the port of entry. We all worked together. But the idea is that everybody seeking to enter would have to be vetted, screened, a record of their entry created or attempted entry if they were turned around, because they do get turned around. Uh, if under the law they don't meet the requirements that the law stipulates for someone who's a non-immigrant, for example. But the idea is you're going to make sure that everyone who comes in is vetted and recorded. And this is a problem for Chuck. This is a problem for Nancy. This is a problem for these people who claim that they represent us, who took oaths of office to protect the Constitution, to protect the American people. Why would you want people to enter the United States without inspection? Because that's what they want. Why in the world would you be willing to facilitate the entry of uninspected aliens? That's the question that nobody is asking them. That's the question nobody seems to be able to understand. No one's saying keep people out of the country. We're saying make sure that everyone who is admitted is inspected. That's what this is about. This is a battle over whether or not people entering America should be made known to the government of the United States. And this is immoral, immoral to make certain that people from other countries who have no inherent right to enter the United States are vetted. It, it blows me away. It blows me away. Why in the world are Americans being forced to live among millions of people who snuck into the country. Would you get on an airplane if you saw people sneaking past TSA? Of course you wouldn't. Of course you wouldn't. But we are being forced to live among millions of aliens who did just that, circumvented the inspections process and snuck into the country. And Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and all the others are trying to make Americans believe that it is immoral to stop people from sneaking into the country. Chuck Schumer, meanwhile, proposed legislation that would make trespassing on critical infrastructure or national landmarks a five-year federal felony. And he was very specific and said, I don't care if you're an adrenaline junkie or a criminal. If you're trespassing, you're doing something dangerous, and you need to go to jail for five years so that people will no longer do this because this is a dangerous thing to do. Okay. But the same Chuck Schumer says that if you want to sneak into America, if you want to enter the United States without inspection, that's okay with him. And he actually wants to reward you with a pathway to United States citizenship. Simple question. And this is the question that you should be asking when you go to town hall meetings. When you hear people talk about the undocumented, they're not undocumented, folks. They're uninspected if they snuck in that way. You also have, quote, unquote, the undocumented who have immigration files that are thicker than a phone book because they were deported, because they have criminal histories, they have rap sheets that, that you can paper your house with. They're not undocumented. 
This phrase undocumented is Orwellian. It's not PC. It's Orwellian. It's designed to play us for idiots. When I was an immigration agent, if someone entered the United States without inspection, we called them EWIs or EWI for short. If my boss walked over and I was writing somebody up or I had just arrested, my boss might tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, Mike, what's going on? Who do you have? And I might say, oh, I've got an EWI from Guatemala. I've got an EWI from, uh, it could be from China also, because people running the border aren't only from Latin America. And if you're an EWI, E-W-I, entered without inspection, they snuck in. And when you would charge them with the offense administratively, method of entry, date, place, manner, unknown. How is it unknown? Because no record was created. So they entered at a no-known time, unknown place, um, and, and, and so forth. This is dangerous. This is absolutely dangerous. So what we're really witnessing are politicians upset that Donald Trump and Americans want everyone who enters the United States to be vetted. Why would you want people from another country to come here without vetting? That's the question that must be asked. That's the question no one is asking these people. So please, if you go to a town hall meeting, ask that question. And bring 10 of your friends and every one of you keep asking the question and record it with your cell phone and put it on the Internet. Congressman Schmidlap, right? Why in the world are you opposed to immigration authorities, customs and border protection people from inspecting people arriving at a port of entry? Why do you not want that process to continue? What are they going to say to you? We think it's a waste of time. If we could have kept the terrorists of 9-11 out of the United States, there would have been no goddamn 9-11. Thousands of people would be alive today. Thousands who are suffering and dying terrible deaths because of their exposure to toxins would be alive and well if we could have kept them out of the country. So this is not really an issue about being pro-immigrant or anti-immigrant. It's pro-inspection or not. Pro-vetting. That's the question. Why is Chuck Schumer opposed to screening aliens who seek to enter the United States? That, folks, is the question you must be asking every last one of these nitwits. Not whether we're pro-immigrant or anti-immigrant, but whether or not you favor the vetting of foreign nationals seeking to enter the United States. Who in their right mind would be opposed to vetting people from coming in? Do you leave your door open at night so people can just wander on in at will? Or do people knock on the door and you say, who's there? Well, guess what? By asking who's there, you're vetting that person. You want to know who the hell is knocking on your door before you open the door. And Chuck Schumer, who would put a 16-year-old boy in jail for trespassing because he cited this kid on his website, the kid climbed the World Trade Center, he would put that 16-year-old in jail because he climbed the World Trade Center, trespassed. If that same 16-year-old kid was an alien who ran the border, he would be the first to pat him on the back and hand him a certificate of citizenship. The disconnect, ladies and gentlemen, is staggering, especially given the carnage that we are witnessing at the hands 
of criminals and gangbangers and the potential for terrorism. This is a debate not over immigration, but over inspection. That's what the debate is about. And I want someone to explain it to me why any rational adult would be opposed to the inspection of everyone who seeks to enter the United States of America. That, folks, is the question that we must demand answers to. No other question. Get on that line at that town hall meeting, and that's the question. Why are you so determined to stop Customs and Border Protection from doing its job and inspecting people entering the United States? That's the only question that I want answered. And you should go there with as many of your friends as possible, and each and every one of you have got to ask the same damn question. Why do you oppose vetting alien-seeking entry? Why are you opposed to the creation of a record of entry from foreign nationals when they enter the United States? Because that's what the fence would prevent from happening, the uninspected entry of foreign nationals. You think about that. That's the truth. That's the fact. That's the reality. And that's something you're not going to hear in the mainstream media. But again, we need to make those politicians answer that simple, fundamental question. Why do you oppose the screening of foreign nationals who seek to enter the country? We spend $14 billion a year on customs and border protection. Why are you so against the work that they do, given that their work, is vital to national security, public safety, and the jobs of American workers. Something for you to think about, a question that must be asked. And make it your New Year's resolution, folks, that you will ask those questions, that you will hold the politicians accountable, because if we don't do it, I can assure you nobody else will. I want to thank you for uh, spending this hour with me. I hope it's been a thought-provoking hour. I hope it gives you some food for thought. And um, I really hope that I've convinced you that you need to get involved. If you're a parent, the future of your children and their children hang in the balance. And as Americans, we need to look out for each other. And this is the way we look out for each other, folks. Irrespective of race, religion, ethnicity, we're Americans. This nonsense about Latino voters and black voters and Jewish voters all divisive. We're all Americans, American voters, and we the people have absolutely got to get this one thing done, make our politicians accountable. Democracy, I always like to remind you, is not a spectator sport. I hope you all have a terrific weekend coming up, and I hope that you will join me again next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. Now that the show's over, please go to my website, michaelcutler.net. Go to frontpagemag.com and the social contract. If you like what you see, pass the information along to all of your friends and neighbors and even people you disagree with and be part of my bucket brigade of truth. Good night, everybody.